to get you excited about stuff. But this morning, I'll just get myself centered here. I want to continue the message that I started a few weeks ago on the right path. Because God has a right path for your life. He has a right path for every single human life. And I think it's really unfortunate, perhaps even sad, that we miss the pathway that God has for us because we've chosen our own path. So uh, we're going to start with the scripture this morning, Proverbs chapter 14, verses 12. Uh, uh, sorry, Proverbs 14 and 12, and also Proverbs 16, 25. It's exactly the same. It says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but ends in death. That's a pretty morbid kind of message there. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So what I want you to know is, is uh, when God mentions the same thing twice, or sometimes more in the Bible, it's a way of getting our attention. It's trying to reinforce the same message. So here in that scripture there, um, it's mentioned exactly the same in two places. So there are two things that I want us to notice in that, is that there is a path, so uh, there is a path before each person, that is a fact. And there is a pathway that seems right to every person. Uh, and the second part, but that pathway that may seem right can end in death. So we don't want to find the pathway that ends in death, we want to find the pathway that ends in life, eternal life. That's what we're talking about. That's what's in the balance in our lives today. So this is about, uh, my message is about the pathway uh, is about missing the best that comes from God because we choose our own path or we've chosen a path that ends in death. I want you today to make a decision to, to choose a path that ends in life, life eternal. So I've got a statement that I read recently and it says, God does not enslave us with chains leading us where we don't want to go. God captures us with love and we make difficult life changing decisions out of a desire to live every day with and for Jesus. And I think that really is a great way to launch into this message today, that God doesn't enslave us with chains, but he, he captures us with love. And uh, we need to uh, discover that, that real love that Jesus has. Perhaps today in the message, things might be uh, awakened to your spirit about what that love looks like and how we can um, respond to that. So before we get going right into it, I want us to pray. So let's just bow our heads and ask the Holy Spirit to be with us as we gather around the word today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the freedom that comes when we live according to your, uh, your plans. So just this morning, as we preach, may there be the power of the Spirit in these words. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Uh, scripture for this morning, my main text is Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14. And it says this, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So God's way is not the highway. It's a narrow way, a narrow path, because it offers us our own unique pilgrimage with God. So it's only you and Jesus need to fit on that track, and or maybe you with, with Jesus in front of you. But finding the narrow path and staying on it seems to be 
what we, what we uh, need to know and know how to do. So today I hope you can find the narrow path that God has chosen for you and stay on it. So I've, simple, uh, I've simplified this message to three points, uh, survey points, I guess, to live with that, without that distractions. Um, that things that don't restrict your life, they amplify it because we live more effectively for God. So I'm going to give you three disciplines, if you like, or um, three direct markers to keep us on the right path. Now, I know there's some practical things of, of uh, discipline that we need in our lives, but this morning, I think I'm going to give you three that perhaps aren't so uh, obvious, but they're really important. So, you know, if you're taking notes, you can write on the top of your page, finding the narrow path and staying on it. So the three points are, uh, there are three disciplines that will direct our feet on the right path. The narrow path looks like faithfulness, that's number one, submission, that's number two, and unity, that's number three. So they're disciplines of the spirit life. Uh, they aren't trivial, but they are vital to our growth in God. So uh, I'll give you three um, a scripture for each one of these, and then we'll look at them more fully. So faithfulness, Matthew 24, verse 45. Submission, Ephesians 5, verse 21. And unity, John chapter 17, verse 23. Now in these three scriptures, there, there is many more scriptures we can pull out, but we're going to just uh, look at those as the key parts this morning. Number one, faithfulness. Staying on the right path, on the narrow path, is faithfulness because we live in a world where faithfulness isn't really valued. Faithfulness isn't really followed that much. So today in small things, like we, we don't have a loyalty to brands so much anymore. There used to be, you know, you, 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 if you think back to your parents' day, mostly, there'd be, well, we, we were a Ford family or we were a Holden family and there was a loyalty to brands or we only shopped at one supermarket, we didn't go to the other one because there's a loyalty going on. And so we find in the day in which we live, there is not that level of loyalty anymore. It's uh, just not there generally uh, in society. But faithfulness is something that God calls us to uh, as a, a pathway that is narrow, but is really, really important. Now, I don't really care whether you drive a Hyundai this week and then a Toyota next week. It doesn't really matter. But what we're talking about is spiritual application to this message of faithfulness and loyalty to the things of God. So... Uh, Matthew 24, verse 45, it says, A faithful, sensible, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Now, there's, a, there's quite a few things in there, but uh, being a faithful, sensible servant. Everyone say sensible. We need to be sensible servants who the, the, the master can give responsibility of managing others. So when I, when I read that, I think that there is a responsibility to serve one another. Uh, and, and that is a, an aspect of faithfulness. But I, I just have a little sidetrack here that um, I think uh, many people um, miss what God has for them because they get caught in the comparison trap. Don't let the comparison trap catch you. Um, so your best path isn't comparing yourself to others and what they have and what you don't have. And uh, comparison devalues what you have and who you are so you don't enjoy the now. 
So I want to just, you know, when we think about faithfulness, don't let the comparison trap trap you because there's always going to be someone else who has something better than you or has something easier than you. And so when you live like that, or you might be thinking, I'm at the stage of life where I have small, uh, you know, small children, a young family, and I can't do the things and have the things that I see others have, that's a comparison trap. And we need to, we need to develop being uh, content with where we are and enjoy the moments because we can't get those moments back. And so uh, what I want us to, to think of there in our faithfulness is be faithful to the seasons of life that you're in and find that each season has its blessing and it has its challenge, but you want to stay on the pathway that Jesus has for you through that season. So don't live in the comparison trap because it, it will rob you. Um, if you're taking notes there, just jot down and, and check this one out. Deuteronomy 7 verse 25. We won't look at it this morning, but um, it may help you if you do some further uh, looking into that. But faithful is about taking care of what you have been given. So the story of the talents. Now, we, we read this in Matthew 25 verse 14 to 28. The story of the talents. Now, talents isn't the gifts that God has given you, as in, you know, like, oh, I'm a talented singer or I'm a really fast runner, which you all know that I am. Uh, that's a joke. Talents are, was a form of money. It's like using the term dollars. In, in the Greek and Roman world, they called the money talents. And in this story, it says that, um, that a master gave his servants some talents. He gave them bags of money. It says to one, he gave uh, five, five talents. He gave him five bucks. Another gave him two bucks. And the other one, he gave him one dollar. And uh, uh, it says that... Um, the two who were given more, the, the, the guy who got five, $5, he went and doubled it. He came back with $10. The guy who got two doubled it and came back with $4. And the person who was given only one, it says he buried it in the ground and came back just with what he was given. And the master wasn't happy. So what went wrong with the guy who got the one? It says that he did nothing except bury what he was given. He covered it over. And he had no intention to return a profit, which equals being unfaithful. So he, he, he did nothing. It's called being unfaithful. But faithful is an attitude. The two who returned a profit were faithful with what they'd been given. Um, that one day, uh, sorry, faithful is an attitude that one day we will give an account to our master for what we've done with what he's given us to invest. So we've, we've got an investment to make with our life. We've got an investment to make with what God has given us to return a profit for the kingdom of God. And we need to realize that Romans 14 verse 12 says each of us will give a personal account to God. And we want to be giving that personal account to God with what he's entrusted with us and bring back a return. So faithful is staying on the narrow path and serving Jesus, serving one another faithful. Second thing that we're going to look at this morning is submission. It's really, I, I think it's a, a very um, misused word, uh, but it means consent, it means agreement, and it means putting one's own plans aside for the team. So submission, you've got to get this is where it gets misused, is not abuse of power over another. So some people might say, well, I have authority in this house, I have authority in this church, uh, I, I'm whatever, and demand submission because of their title. 
But submission is not a, an abuse of power over another. Submission is not being a doormat for others to step all over you. That is not a good description of what submission really is. So in a biblical context. So Ephesians 5 verse 21 says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it's, it's a biblical concept. It's a scriptural thing here. Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. So submission honours and respects in every direction. So it means that we honour one another in the, in the house of God. We honour people in, in our world, in our community, the places where we, where we go every day. We want to be people who honour others and value others. It's putting value on others. But submission honours and respects in every direction. So we, we honour, you know, for want of a better word, we honour up those who are in leadership. We honour those who are uh, uh, serving alongside us and we want to honour those who are coming along behind us who are learning and, and at a different level of their spiritual journey. But submission honours and respects in every direction. But that word submission, I'll, I've taken this and, and uh, broken it down a little bit. I'll probably... Um, taken some liberties with this, but it's okay for my, for my illustration today. Submission. So we take that word sub means, means like smaller. It's, it's having the smaller mission and applying that to your circumstance, your life, and doing my part that connects to the others doing their part. That's having a submission, a smaller mission that helps connect to a bigger mission. And it's not a lesser mission, it's just a smaller mission, submission. So submission removes the spanner in the works and allows the things uh, and allows things to work and operate and function successfully. So without submission, nothing works. Without that cooperation, nothing can can gain momentum. Nothing can develop to its fullness. So submission is really important in the life of the church. And uh, it's not, well, the pastor says that I'm the boss and I, you need to submit. No, it's a submission that willingly gives my, my mission, my smaller mission is committed to the mission of the greater that we're a part of. Does that make sense to you this morning? So the opposite of submission is dishonor. It's disrespect. It's, un, it's uncooperative. Um, and when we have that in play, in our lives, in our churches, uh, even in our workplaces. It makes everything uncoordinated and unworkable. Things won't work. Things don't turn out. Things break down. So submission allows for coordination and things will just work. Submission to Jesus gets a spiritual engine running. Submission in the church allows the ministry body to function how it should. So submission is staying on the narrow path. Because we think, how do we stay on this narrow path? So we stay faithful. We say, Jesus, I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to believe what your word tells me about me. So we're staying faithful to the word of God. Submission says, I know where I fit. My submission fits in with the mission of the greater. So I'm staying on this narrow path because it's very easy to, to become uncooperative. Um, uh, um, what, what were those other words? Uh, um, disrespectful and begin to dishonor. And we start to step out of the narrow path that God has created for us. And we start to to go on a, a wide path that, that is uh, blurry and confused and leads us astray from the path that God wants us to be on. So the third thing is unity. Very, very important factor in any, uh, in any church. John chapter 17, verse 23. Now, this is Jesus speaking. He says, 
I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, this is Jesus talking to God, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So unity is Jesus' idea. Unity is Jesus' idea, perfect unity. Um, And it's not to be undervalued in the church. The church that walks the path of unity is a force. It's a spiritual force. It's a powerful thing. Maybe the most unmovable thing that the earth has is a church that can walk in unity, that knows the purpose, that knows its mission, that every person within it knows its submissive point uh, point of operation and we start to see a, uh, a, a spiritual force taking place in this community, in, in wherever we are. We become a spiritual force. So unity is the origin of the full flow of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 verses 1 to 4, it says all the believers at that time, all the believers were around about 120 people were all together in one place. They're praying, believing, uh, asking God. They're, they're, they're uh, um, just in, the, you know, in this place that says it was an upper room upstairs of a building somewhere, but they're all together crying out to God for something and suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit descends upon them and they all began to speak in other tongues and there's a power of God comes upon them. A, a, a new uh, dynamic enters the church and they become a force on the street. So unity is powerful. So if we can't be a force in the church, we'll never be a force on the street. And we need to be powerful in the church and we need to be powerful on the street. So I want you to really uh, um, consider those things. Value unity. It is the Christian's best vaccine against the devil. You know, these days a big talk about a vaccine. It's going to save the world. I'll tell you something. Unity is a vaccine you need in your life to beat the devil. Because the devil works, his master plan is to cause division. His master plan is to bring disunity. His master plan is to bring suspicion. And his master plan is to cause the church to to not work together, but to splinter and uh, to separate. That's his plan. And when we we, uh, fall into that plan, we work his work, not God's work. So unity is the full flow of the Holy Spirit. We need to protect that. So... We've got to value unity. It's our best vaccine against the devil. So, you know why? Because when, you, when you're in unity and you're going through something, you have people you can trust. You can have people and say, will you pray with me? Can you stand with me? Can, have you got a word for me? And we use that as a, as a tool, as a weapon, as a, a uh, fortress against the enemy's plan which wants to uh, unravel the, the unity that Jesus wants us to live with. Unity Say this to the person next to you. Unity is Jesus' idea. It is Jesus' idea. So Amos 3 verse 3, it says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Now that's, a, that's just a question here. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? The, the fact is, no, they can't. So agreement is not to be underrated. Christian here today... There is power in your agreement. And you need, to, you need to be aware of what you're agreeing to. You need to be aware with who you're making agreements with and what you're making agreements with. So when you have the right agreement in your life with the things of God, then you will have a greater flow of power in your life. So don't underrate, underrate that. 
Proverbs 4 verse 18 says, The way of the righteous is ever brighter. I've just sort of paraphrased that myself because it's a bit longer than that. But the way of the righteous is ever brighter. And I think it would be uh, amazing if people around you could see that your way is ever brighter. The way, the pathway of the righteous is ever brighter. So when we start to put some of these factors in place, when we start to live with faithfulness, when we start to live with unity, when we start to live with honour, and, and these things that we, uh, they may seem narrow, but they are ever brighter. It makes our life a brighter way, some, a, a way that, that sheds light so that we know exactly where we're going next. So we... We do best as believers when we're in unity. Agreement on direction brings clarity to where we are going. It's like the full light of day. It's a brightness that comes. Agreement on direction brings clarity to where we are going. So unity is staying on the narrow path. So we need to, we need to factor some things into our life that we say, I want that unity to be in me. So I'm going to ask the musicians to come back and join me. But in these days... We have so much access to information, so much available to us. So probably even going back maybe 10 or 15 years ago, if we wanted to find out some information about something, we would have to go to the library, um, look up books, uh, go to the bookshop to try and find a book that is on the subject that we want and then read it. Well, so today we have access um, through various sources uh, electronically. We can find anything we want that will, uh, that will speak to our view about anything at all that, and that can uh, convince us on anything that we want to follow or anything that we want to, to, um, uh, to confirm what we already want to believe. But Jesus wants to reveal his way to you. Jesus has revealed his way to you. It's found in, in his word. And I want, I want people, church, to um, be acquainted with his word, to be a people who know where Jesus is following. Like that full light of day can be yours when you live according to Jesus' word. So we're going to focus on Jesus and not be distracted. So Jesus does want to reveal his way to you. And he has revealed his way to you and to us. So we want to focus on Jesus lest we be distracted. We're going to sing the song in a, in a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand in a sec. But before we pray, I want us to, to sing this song. And I didn't know we were going to sing this song this morning, but uh, I know it's going to be a breakthrough for some people here this morning. Proverbs 4 verse 25 and 27 says, Look straight ahead. And fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked and keep your feet from following evil. So that path starts with a step. And then another step. And then another step. Just one step to get sidetracked and just one step to get back on the path again. I want us, if we can, just for a moment, I don't know where you're at with your circumstance, your situation, what you've been thinking about, what, what uh, emotions you're going through, or whatever else is happening. What I want you to do today is turn your eyes upon Jesus and maybe he has a different way. Maybe he has another way. Maybe he has a more perfect way. 
but you need to line up some of those things that we've talked about this morning. So why don't we stand together and we're going to sing and let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us, begin to uh, clarify his plan and purpose as we sing this morning. Thanks.